to Fakes and Frauds, a podcast about hoaxes, deception, and straight-up scams. My name is Glennis, and I am here today with an incredibly special guest. Our first guest that is not a friend of mine that I've bullied into the program. Um, it is a stranger that I've bullied into the program, uh, but a very special stranger indeed. Um, a stranger which I came across um, via the amazing uh, Queer Culture Club quiz uh, a few weeks ago. And uh, her name is Victoria Alsina. Hello, Glenis. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Uh, Victoria is a comedian. She is um, a Jill of all trades as well. She has a monthly comedy night called Zoom In. When is the next one? I don't know if I want to reveal that information. Okay, fair. That is fair. Uh, <laughs> no, it's we, uh, as Glenis said, I run the comedy night at Queer Culture Club. It's called Zoom In uh, Comedy Night. And the next one is on March the 5th, Great. Friday, March the 5th. Okay, um, Victoria, you are from Argentina, correct? Yes, uh, I'm Argentinian and uh, a country that could be described uh, just as you describe your podcast, a podcast about oaks and deceptions. Great. Well, um, I think we, uh, we have quite a lot to talk about, um, about Argentina today. Do you have any fun facts first to share with our listeners, maybe not familiar with that fine country? Yes. <laughs> I don't know even where to begin with, but Argentina once had five presidents in two weeks. Unbeatable. I I don't want to compete with that. I don't think. You shouldn't. It's not <laughs> well for anyone's well-being or for anyone's pocket. Yeah. Was there a lot don't... of like, mysterious illness going on? No, in 2001, the economy collapsed and the country collapsed and the president left in a helicopter. Wow. That sounds, so, that's, like a, that's like Kanye West leaving a birthday party or something kind of style. Yeah. Yeah, so he the, was the like, president. I'm off, guys. <laughs> Goodbye. I just forgot yeah. I have some, some stuff to do. <laughs> yeah, and nobody wanted okay. to be the president. Generally, people in countries want to be the president. In this case... Imagine the amount of chaos and anarchy that nobody wanted to be the president. Oh so everyone that you have in the chain, you know, president, vice president, head of the Senate, the, that, all of those said, no, 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 I don't want this. Um, so, I mean, how close were you to becoming the president? It seems um, like anyone. Yeah, <laughs> um, anybody that anybody could be could have been the president. But well, nobody in, wanted nobody wanted to be the president. In one way, that's kind of a beautiful tale. Like if you, you know, live in Argentina and you want to be the president, play your cards right, you'll probably have yeah. a good chance. <laughs> yes. So that was, uh, you know, when people think that uh, last year was bad, 2020. That's because they were not in Argentina in uh, 2001 well there you go um I, hopefully you learned lessons from that that yeah. brought you brought you through 2020 yeah it all happened in christmas on the 22nd of december oh what a 
What a better way to celebrate the birth of baby Jesus. Exactly. Wow. Well, um, Victoria was kind enough to introduce me to a scandal um, earlier this week that consumed my life uh, completely. I know more about Argentinian politics than Canadian politics easily at this point, um, perhaps even English politics. Um, and I don't know if I'm happy about that, to be honest. Um, but hopefully it pays off by an entertaining story. Right. So strap in, folks. This is not the script of a soap opera, contrary to what you will think. It is real life. Real life. Argentinian, I don't know if Argentinian life, you can you can say it's real life, but it's like a, it's right. a very, it's like very intense version. Yeah of yeah. life every moment am... is very intensely lived as you will hear from from this story i honestly am emotionally exhausted <laughs> from the few days of research that i did i want to just lie in a dark room for a few days and just just kind of stabilize myself so um that's potentially what will happen to you so if you would like all your emotions to be drained from your soul Please do stay tuned. That's why I left Argentina, actually. Emotional exhaustion. Yeah, I just wanted to just have a boring life. The, the, the level of corruption that you will hear from this story is a bit more Latin American, as to, yeah. as to call it. It's a, it's, it's a roller coaster, I would say. It's a roller coaster of emotions. So today we have a tale that shook the country of Argentina to its core. It's a tale of power, corruption, and one incredibly organised chauffeur. So the political situation in Argentina has, as we've said, always been full of drama. But when... Cristina Fernández de Kirchner... I've been I've been really working on my accent and I hope it's paid off. I hope um I hope I pronounced that correctly there. Um but yes this uh, this lady often uh I think what I will refer to as uh, CFK from here on out. Um and her husband Nestor Kushner came to power. The country was injected with a whole new level of trouble. After decades of bubbling allegations of corruption, eight unassuming spiral bane notebooks would present themselves and change the country forever. To understand this incredibly juicy story, we start in the late 80s in the Santa Cruz province of Argentina, which falls in the Patagonia region, which you may, may be familiar with. They have penguins, I am told. <laughs> and whales. And, and whales. It's a one-stop shop, really. Get on down there. And a glacier. Uh, and one glacier. Great. <laughs> Hopefully it's still there by the time this comes out. Not sure. So this area is where CFK and her husband, Nestor, became active in the political sphere, aligning themselves with the Justicialist Party, also known as the Peronist Party. Peronist because of Peron, that guy that is married to Evita in the musical. Great. Good cultural facts. So, oh, yes, this was one of the, the country's major political parties. In 1991, which is a great year, 
which is when I was entered into the world. Uh, it's also <laughs> when Nestor was elected as the governor of the Santa Cruz region. And 12 years later, 2003, he became the 50th Argentinian president. When I said that nobody wanted to be the president after 2001, who won the first elections after this mess? Kirchner, Nestor Kirchner. So it took two years. Yeah, because we had a we had a interim government. Right. We had an interim government to sort of organize some of the chaos that was going on because the uh, economy collapsed. Uh, we changed the, the we had a new currency, not a new currency, but the pay, before that the peso was worth one peso was worth one dollar. Mm. The only country in Latin America that had a, 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 a currency that was strong enough as to be worth $1. When the economy collapsed, the government just said, no, you know what? As from now on, the peso is going to be worth uh, 40% less. Great. Okay. Well, um, eventually, uh, Nestor came in as the 50th Argentinian president. By the time the next presidential election came around in 2007, Christina was ready. She was ready to run, which I think is a Dixie Chick song. I just remembered. Anyway, her husband was very supportive. Many speculate this was obviously a very clever way to retain power as uh, they would basically just take turns, take turns in the hot seat. You know, they can't run forever. So they, you know, switch it up. They were just that kind of couple. (laughs) Exactly. Have you ever thought about the sex lives of um, these people? Well, apparently Nestor had a lover. <gasps> well, all a men male in Argentina. One. No, no. Uh, uh, well, uh, what I know is a female lover. And that remember that Argentina is a very masculine-dominated culture, so it's very common for men to have uh, lovers. And... Um, Anything exciting? There is something now that, that, well, obviously she became very rich just by being Nestor's lover, but there's something even, there was something very dark in this story. Nestor died one year in Christina's uh, presidency. And some people say that she killed him. This is not a, like the official version, right? Mm. Mm. But for the for this podcast, I think we should say. I think it sounds like a fact. Let's let's throw it in. <laughs> yeah, it's one politician that said this. Throughout the reign of this uh, Jay Z Beyonce esque power couple, whispers of a corrupt government began to spread. Rumors involving a secret deal with the Iranian government to cover up a horrific attack in Buenos Aires, ruthless attempts to turn fellow politicians against... Fernandez de Kirchner. ...in order to retain power, and an epic plot to defraud the government of over $3 billion were but three of the serious accusations that the Kirchner government found themselves involved with. Following the death of Nestor, which was uh, spoiled by our friend here a few seconds ago, was really... You know, getting ready for that line, not important. Um, I mean, death is important. It's, and we should talk about it more. Anyway, following the death of Nestor from a heart attack, supposedly, 
I think we know otherwise now. In 2010, Christina's power only grew and the corruption allegations began to grow by the day. Many of her actions prompted large-scale demonstrations, including a 2012 event that brought out half a million protesters. Were I was there? there. Yeah. She was I there. I was in Buenos Aires. In, I'm not from Buenos Aires, but I was there because it was the same week as Pride, and I went to a demonstration. Okay, well, we know why you were actually there. <laughs> you just happened to be around. <laughs> So at this point, the Argentine people were convinced that Cristina Fernandez de Kushner was totally fucking them over and they were not here for it. Fair. In 2016, <laughs> Argentina witnessed a truly bizarre event that mimicked something eight of a Coen brothers film. Jose Lopez, the former public works secretary, was caught by an unsuspecting neighbour of the Our Lady of the Rosary of Fatima convent throwing black sacks over the convent walls. Being the home of three elderly nuns, the neighbour called the authorities immediately. When the police arrived, they discovered bags and bags and bags of cash. We are talking $8.9 million. That is an insane amount of money. I get scared when I have like £100 in cash in my wallet. I'm like convinced I'm going to get mugged. He was suspected of trying to hide the money on the church grounds, a theory that could easily obviously take us down a rabbit hole um, of the connection with the Krishna government and the Catholic Church. Google it. Have a great time. Go wild. We don't have time today. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff there. It was reported that Lopez generously offered the police a stack of bills that totaled $1 million, to which they supposedly denied Serving for 12 years under the Kushner government, the reports of this bizarre experience added serious weight to the growing suspicion of corruption under the KFC. Chicken <laughs> corruption scandal. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I never thought about What can I say? CFK. It's um, like the it's like the you know the fakes, um, KFCs in neighbors like Layton, <laughs> yeah. that they have the same the same font, sort of the same logo. But this is CFK. I mean, this introduces a whole new conspiracy idea that CFK is secretly Colonel Sanders in disguise. I mean, what are the what are the chances? Anyway. This bizarre experience added serious weight to the growing suspicion of corruption under the CFK presidency. So fast forward to 2018. It was a spring morning, the birds were chirping, sun shining. But little did the people know that this day is the day that a story would break that would seriously change the history of Argentina. See, in 2003... A man named Oscar Santino began to journal. But for this chauffeur, he was not looking to draft his memoirs, no. These journals would be much more impactful. No offence to Oscar, of course. To the untrained eye, the notebooks would appear to hold very boring numbers, names and addresses. But when the significance of these musings were revealed, the country would be officially shooketh. Over a 12-year period, Oscar worked as a driver for a government official, 
by the name of Roberto Baratta. Roberto specialised in the planning sector and by all accounts was very much a head honcho of sorts. In the pages of these notebooks, Oscar recorded each and every trip he made with Roberto, who was visited, and what the nature of the trip was. And for the final column, it was almost always to give and or receive a shit ton of money. Paraphrasing. So what did these notes really mean? Well, Roberto Barata's role involved working closely for the Ministry of Federal Planning, Public Investments and Services. This would mean that businesses who wanted to secure government support would need to liaise with Barata and his colleagues in order to do so. And what better way to get on the good side of the government leaders than with suitcases full of cold, hard cash? It is very similar to what is happening in the UK with the COVID uh, contracts. The people that were given, it's the same thing. It's all Latin American style corruption. You give the contracts to your friends because your friends will give you a little piece of it. It only surprises the British. <laughs> like, yeah, I was well, like, like that, do people don't know that this is what that works like this? How do you think that the neighbor of Matt Hancock, who had a, a factory where he produced plastic glasses, now he is producing, um, what is the thing? Um, masks. I think it's masks. Like how can a guy trying... that never produced masks suddenly is given um, a, a, a contract that is millions and millions of pounds to produce PPE? Yeah, sorry, he produced tests, COVID tests, very uncomplicated, from uh, uh, glass, uh, so plastic glasses to COVID tests. The same thing. Anybody can do it. I wonder if I live next to any politicians. <laughs> I, can, I can get in on something. I wonder what could I get if I live next to Pretty Patel. I think I could convince her to be lovers. I'm very persuasive with yeah. uh, straight women. Okay. Now, evidently, just as Oscar Centeno, I will take precautions and document all of the base of our encounter, bring some evidence so that I can prove my story. So when she runs for prime minister, I go into the I go into the I go into the Tory convention and I make a very good impression of myself because I want to work with her, right? So I say things like, um, pretty, I clap for the NHS, but I have private medical insurance. Pretty, I'm an immigrant, but also I have a trust fund. <laughs> I think, um, yeah, if you rank her, get her to rank at the top of the search results. Yes. And then you will rank at the top of her have sex with list result. <laughs> I'll top in every way. <laughs> exactly. There yeah. you go. So uh, she's very impressed with me. And yeah. she makes me a campaign manager. And um, we go on tour. Not for oh, Things happen on tour. Long, long days. Yeah. Long nights. Hotel bars. And we are in a city called Rotterdam. Rotterdam. <laughs> It's between Rotherhite and Amsterdam. But it's Rotterdam's already a place. No, this city oh. is called Rotterdam. <laughs> it's between Rochester oh. and Rotterdam. Now, why are okay. uh, why is this called like this? Because after Brexit, 
where we couldn't go to Europe on holidays anymore, they had to make uh, cities have a European name. Right. So people felt exotic. Where did you go on holidays? I went to Rotterdam. <laughs> yeah? It sounds like Europe. Yeah. So we're in Rotterdam and, you know, long days, long nights, <laughs> bar of the hotel, one thing leads to the other, room service, and you're a grown-up woman. I don't have to explain <laughs> you what happened in the, in the presidential suite of Rotterdam. I wish you all the best. Yes, I, um, I wish myself the same because the moment I leave that room, I take a selfie of us in bed and I leave the room and I hide because I know that people are looking for me because I have the evidence <laughs> of the crime. I have the photo that is ends love, all is, of this. Is love a crime? No, love is not a crime, but she is married to a man. Is she? And mm -hmm. she, is, she has a, uh, a son and she's a conservative that is preaching values all the time. So to have an affair outside of her marriage and with a woman, with an immigrant, would destroy her political career. I you mean, hear it first. Um, okay, well... <laughs> Sorry about that. So what did these notes really mean? Well, Roberto Barata's role involved working closely with the Ministry of Federal Planning, Public Investment and Services. This would mean that businesses who wanted to secure government support would need to liaise with Barata and his colleagues in order to do so. And what better way to get on the good sides of government leaders than with suitcases full of cold, hard cash? And this wasn't just the odd case of Benjamin, folks. It was estimated that between a whopping $53 million and $160 million was delivered directly to the homes of the Krishnas and their senior officials. Taking a few years off from his record-keeping, Oscar returned with an entry that read, Today, May 6, 2013, I go back to writing. There's a semicolon in here. I don't know if that... If he actually put a semicolon, like if you would handwrite a semicolon, you are a fucking wanker. Anyway, today, May 6th, 2013, I go back to writing. After Nesna Krishna's death, I stopped doing so. I thought that after his passing, the suitcasing wouldn't be done anymore, but it continued. Its frequency was reduced with the difference that now money is also being collected for Minister DeVito and Barata himself. I did not want to write anything else, fearing being discovered and left out of a job. But I decided to resume because in a meeting held by Minister DeVito, Barata and Madame President Christina F. Kirshner, she instructed them to keep getting money from companies for future electoral campaigns. But with all the information recorded via good old-fashioned notebooks, it wouldn't be skilled hackers that would crack this case wide open. No, that would be reserved for a small, middle-aged woman by the name of Hilda Horvitz. Hilda was in a relationship with Oscar Centino for nine years and was aware of the meticulous notes her husband had been taking at work. She was stated as saying that the reason Oscar kept these records was to use them as blackmail should he be fired from his job. After the pair's relationship went south, with many reports noting Oscar as being quite violent towards her, Hilda decided to report Oscar to the authorities. When Oscar got word of Hilda's plans, he gave the notebooks to a friend for safekeeping. It was reported that he told the friend that if anything were to happen to him, all the information he'd need was in this mystery box. Journalist Diego Cabot 
recalls how he was approached by an unidentified keeper of the box in January 2018, and after handing over its contents, the investigation began. Diego quickly recruited two junior journalists to tackle the case. The trio would meet up in secret every evening and work through the night, inputting the info into a database and scrambling to find other information to confirm the claims that Oscar had written. What followed was a lengthy dive into confirming the notes and getting all the facts straight before ultimately presenting a judge with their findings and surrendering the notebooks to the courts. Following this, Oscar was promptly arrested When news broke of the arrest, businessmen flocked to report various wrongdoings in the hope of being able to exercise la ley del arrepentido, which translates to the law of the remorseful, a law that had only recently come into practice. This law would mean the possibility of protection for those who were able to provide valuable evidence to assist in another prosecution. Yeah, if you regret of something you did wrong, you have some mercy, let's call it that way. And everyone was in that notebook. <laughs> Everybody that had money was on that notebook. Every single businessman had contributed to campaigns, political campaigns with money, because that's what you do in Argentina. It's just, just the, the way the game is played. On August 25th, 2018, the New York Times published a piece titled Beats Watching Netflix, Graft Scandal Engrosses Argentina and Harold's Change. The article outlined the picture that was growing around what was described as a criminal organisation that ordered businesses to pay up to 20% of the value of public works back to the government. The Public Transport Board was reportedly ordered to give back 5% of its subsidies to the government officials who supported them. This bribery money was reported as being like an unspoken rule in order to maintain support from the government and the cash-obsessed Kirshner leaders. So Christina appeared to be backed into a corner with the countless allegations, though she was quick to deny any wrongdoing, accusing the judge of being politically motivated and using the scandal to distract the public from the economic issues of the country. In total, the scandal saw raids of dozens of senior officials' homes, including that of Christina herself, and 26 arrests. With Christina being senator at the time, gaining immunity was on the cards, which would offer protection against criminal charges. Learning this, tens of thousands of Argentinians took to the streets to protest what was seen as a great injustice. Though the next president, Marisa Macri, overruled this immunity protection, Christina Kirchner has continued to dodge any charges in relation to the scandal. As of 2020, Oscar lives a quiet life and witness protection. He is noted as wishing to return to his career as a chauffeur, spends much of his time taking part in religious activities, something he became much more interested in since the scandal. In 2019, journalist Diego Cabot and his team won the King of Spain Award for their investigation, praising their decision to stop publishing in order to put the investigation into the hands of the prosecutors. Cristina Kirchner now sits as Vice President of Argentina. So there we have it. That is the wild tale of the notebooks. Uh, Victoria now has the avocado knife in her mouth. Uh, (laughs) Ready, ready for a fight. Yeah, I know the story, but to hear it again, I think I always find it It's wild and she's, you know, still sipping pina coladas and having a great time. I would say that it's very likely that nothing happens with this message to the British public is that don't let this happen to your country because I don't have any uh, anywhere else where to go. 
Yeah, uh, the first time that I had like a, in my head, like a sort of an idea of another country, you know, when you're a child and you realize, oh, this is another country and this is, this is people speak other, other language and it's another culture, was with uh, Spice World in 1997. And I thought that women in the UK would all look like the Spice Girls. You want you, you deserve a refund. That is Look. false advertising. Um, I remember watching Spice World and being terrified to go to the toilet for ages because that scene. Do you remember when the, the man comes out of the toilet? Yes. Something similar happened to me, but with Jurassic Park. <laughs> I thought when I was a child, same year, Jurassic Park and, and, and Spice Wars roughly same year, one is nineteen ninety. Oh, that was a big year for... Yeah, that was the best year of my life. <laughs> it's all been downhill. Since then, everything has been absolute shit. I was 11 and I was at my peak. Actually, Jurassic Park 2 is 1997. Jurassic Park 1 is 1993. But the second is my favourite. Now, I was very scared that uh, a velociraptor would jump, uh, would like hide in the shower. Because Does that happen in the film? No, but I have a very, <laughs> I have a very powerful imagination and I have calculated that a velociraptor, because of the size, could easily fit in the shower and would close the curtain well, I'm glad that, you know, you in Argentina, terrified showering, and I'm in Canada, you know, like, terrified to piss. So, great, great year for us. 1997, the year of the terrified children that didn't want to enter their own bathroom. So perhaps we, uh, you know, should wind down with a, another very interesting mini, mini story um, about your lovely home country. Now, I found an interesting one. That is that ferrets were sold as toy poodles. Ferrets? Like those weasel, weaselly, ratty creatures? Yes. I'm sorry if I'm not pronouncing No, you are. I, just, I don't pronounce any word correctly. I'm processing. Can, yeah. The weasel were sold as poodles. Poodles, the dog, the fancy dogs that you see in East London, for example. Yeah, because in East London, it's easier to get a dog than to get a personality. So poodles are very popular, very popular, easier, cheaper, everything. You don't have to do anything. You just bring the dog. You don't need to develop a personality. So... Um, you might be wondering how, if they are very, it's a very distinct animals. Well, dealers, Argentinian pet yeah. dealers, were using steroids to make the ferrets uh, be a bit bigger and a bit fluffier. Oh. And they were selling these as toy poodles. <laughs> I mean, we are very entrepreneurial. I know, we are very It's not funny because animals you don't want to hurt them. But it is funny because <laughs> ferrets are so gross and poodles are so cute. 
Well, deception. Um, they, also, I want to tell you that this was where did this happen? Obviously, this didn't happen in a well-known dog breeder uh, center. This happened in La Salada. La Salada is one of the biggest outdoors illegal markets uh, in Latin America. So everything that you buy in La Salada is, for example, fake Nike, fake Chanel, fake everything. Nothing that is real is sold in La Salada. So yeah, I, I don't want to say people that bought these uh, are deserve this. I don't want to blame the victims. Now, this is a place well known for, for because everything is illicit, everything is fake. So if you buy a, a, a dog that you think is a poodle, where it's very likely to be a weasel, or as we call it in Argentina, Brazilian rat. And what I found most fascinating about this article, which is in many sources, that, uh, but I'm, I'm, I have the link here on the Huffington uh, Post, is that there is a chart that tells you, there's a checklist that tells you how to differentiate a poodle from a whistle. When happy, ferrets may perform a routine known as the whistle war dance, which is characterized by a series of whoops, of hoops and frenzied attempts to bump into things. So, <laughs> wait, this is often accompanied by a soft clacking noise called duking. I mean, it sounds a bit like me on a night out, to be honest. So. Before. Before yeah. when there were nights out. Now, so if your poodle start making this weird dance <laughs> and noise and a weird dance, this is not a poodle, this is a whistle. What if you have a dancing poodle? What if you have a poodle who is, has, uh, has a playful spirit? Well, we can also identify if it's a whistle or a poodle based on the lifespan. So... <laughs> Yeah. Okay. For example, one, the poodle, the toy poodles lives up to 20 years, whereas the weasel lives from seven to 10 years. So you have to have it for 10 years, for seven or to 10 years, at least to see what, what you bought. If it dies before the seven year, it's a weasel. I always thought that like that was a really good a good way to get away with a scam is like you say, right, okay, just try it out for X amount of time. And yeah. then if you don't like it or whatever, you can come back. But then by, by that point, by seven years later, that stall's not going to exist. That man's going to have gone to another place, you know? Yeah. Also, one thing that is very interesting of this article, at the end, it says, the Brisbane Times reports that a Japanese actress once purchased a lamb, believing it was a standard poodle. A, a lamb. lamb. A lamb, yeah, that animal. Like a sheep. You eat with rosemary if you are not vegetarian. Yes, that the kebab, the lamb from I the kebab. That's and lambs, how do you say lambs? I know that I'm not pronouncing it correctly. Can you pronounce it? Oh, lambs. Lambs. Okay. <laughs> lambs. You're doing the Canadian thing. Lambs. 
the silence of the lambs. So, <laughs> so much less uh, terrifying when you say it that way. Yeah, it sounds it sounds like a very entertaining movie. Lambs. So I believe you, as a grown up, you should be able to identify a lamb from a stand-up. Lamb. Yeah. I am. Um, I love the story about when everyone was buying those like micro pigs and then they were actually just regular pigs that were babies and then they grew into Into a monstrosity. I think the moral of the story is um, just maybe just go to Battersea Cats and Dogs Home, I would say, if you're after a little patch. Um, yes. know what a dog looks like before you get a dog go on the internet google dog look at the <laughs> look at those creatures know what they are you know as as a woman who works in the world of you know like digital content and stuff maybe that's like a niche a thing a gap in the market maybe maybe you should start how to know when a dog's a dog.com And but I want to say a closer remark, but it might explain some things of why are are we so Argentinians? We are so ill nature, I would say. We have a word that is called viveza criolla. Viveza criolla could be described as street smart. It's a concept similar to that to be street smart. Um, and when you trick people like this with bribes or with you sell a whistle for a poodle, you get money and you turn it into a business, people will admire you because you're a street rat and you're making money. So even if you're doing the immoral thing, you are tricking everyone, you're smarter, you're, you're outsmarting everyone and that's a good thing. That's a good value. So that's why we are fucked up. <laughs> because this is, 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 how could you, there is a moral validation of this. You are doing the bad thing, but you are smart. Therefore, you are good and you deserve respect. And that's the root problem of this country, that this is applauded. Yeah, I mean, every country has its, you know, philosophies. I would say Canadian philosophy is just mind your own business and drink your maple syrup. Um, And obviously pray to the Queen of Celine Dion every night. That is what our country is based on. Um, So every every country has to have their own thing. I would agree with everything you're saying, but I would replace Celine Dion with Shania Twain. I was, I was in my mind, I was torn for a second. The only reason why I didn't say Shania Twain is because she's a little bit of a conservative now. So we're not sure about that. I know. Yeah. But all of the Spice Girls are too, except for Mel C and Scary. So, uh, yeah, I think that here in the UK... Also, there are values that are that I don't share or that I don't think should be a value in itself. Um, but well, I don't know. Inter to be an immigrant, to be a foreigner, to explore other cultures, 
makes you think about if the things you have learned are so good or not. Um, I think that's a bit more of an upbeat um, learning from this story. If you want to have a learning, I don't know, I'm old. That's why I need uh, to have learnings and lessons of things I do. <laughs> this is really why you're, why you're here today. Um, to give youth a, a lesson. Yeah. Yeah. To give Britain a lesson. Don't turn into Argentina. Don't be Argentina, just be Britain, but better. Okay, thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you've had a, a nice time. I hope you've learned some things. I hope you've learned uh, the importance of knowing what a dog looks like, I would say, is really the key takeaway today. If you have enjoyed your time, please do rate, subscribe, tell your friends and just spread the word far and wide. I, I imagine people at some point after the Pretty Patel plan materializes in real life, they come back to the podcast and it's like, oh my God, she said it in the podcast and then she made it happen. Yeah. This is this is history, guys. This is this is really going to make waves and... You know, if you want to be a part of history, you know what to do. Where can we find you? Well, I'm a search engine optimization specialist. So if you Google me, you will find a lot of myself, a lot of Victoria Alcinas. So if you're looking for the comedian Victoria Alcina, this person you have listened to tonight, I'm on uh, Instagram at Victoria underscore comedy. And I'm also on Twitter at Vic, that is V-I-C underscore comedy. I'm also at victoriaolcinacomedy.co.uk and I run a comedy night for Queer Culture Club, which is at Queer Culture Club on Instagram. And next, next night is on March the 5th. So block your calendar right now. I will be sure to include all these things as well in the show notes so you have no excuses. Thanks again and... Uh... See you next time.